Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. some questions that have been asked in the past which i will um kick off with but uh, if anything comes up during the course of the evening then uh, post it and i'll answer it if you are watching this in uh, after it's done then um message me or um or well message me basically yeah or, or nothing just message me okay so uh first question i got here uh, goes something like this what can you tell me the pros and cons? I'll put this in front of the question. There you go. Can you tell me the pros and cons for silicone and polyurethane implants? Okay, so um, right, different. So different types of implants, uh, basically related to the contents of the implant, the shell of the implant. The contents of the implant are either saline or silicone, um, and in this country, we mainly use silicone implants. So they're silicone gel inside. Uh, and so the difference in the so most the majority of the implants in this country are silicone gel implants as in the contents of the implants are silicone gel um, but they the coating da does differ so the coating can be a silicone uh, uh, just a silicone shell so even saline implants have got a silicone shell so um, uh, so there's a silicone shell or you can have a polyurethane foam shell of the implant and when you get silicone shells they also come in a variety and the variety depends on how rough the shell is uh, which is called textured so the initial ones were smooth completely smooth shell and then they um, made them slightly roughened they roughened the surface which was called a textured implant so you can get a, a completely smooth silicone implant or a, a roughened silicone implant which is called a textured silicone implant and then you can also get polyurethane foam implants which have got a foam coating around the silicone uh, implant and so the difference is how rough they are basically so a smooth implant is completely smooth a textured implant is a bit rough and a polyurethane foam implant is very rough because it's like a foam so it's um, and the roughness in it encourages the scar tissue to, to grow in the nooks and crannies of the roughness, which means that when over time that scar tissue contracts, as it always does, rather than with a smooth implant, it contracts as the shell around the smooth implant, the rougher implants, it contracts in all different directions. And so it's less likely to go hard over time. So a smooth implant is more likely to go hard than a textured implant and a textured implant is more likely to go hard than a polyurethane implant so the rougher it is the more um, uh, rough the surface is the less likely it's going to go hard and the less likely you're going to need to have it changed because probably the most common reason to change uh, an implant is because it's gone hard and so that is the great thing about having it rougher um, so that is a big pro of a polyurethane foam implant because it's actually got a foam coating. Um, it's less likely to go hard in the future. However, there has to be a con. If there was only pros, then everyone would use them and everyone doesn't use them. So the con is that a couple of things, but probably the most important thing is ALCL. It's a very rare cancer associated with implants. 
we don't really know what causes it, but it seems to be related to the roughness of the implants. So the rougher the implant, the more risk of the ALCL. So polyurethane implants have got a higher risk of ALCL than textured silicone implants, which have got a higher risk than smooth silicone implants. So the completely smooth implants are less likely to get the ALCL, more likely to go hard. The rough implants are less likely to go hard, more likely to get the ALCL. And so broadly speaking, that's the difference. These polyurethane ones are a little bit more expensive. They're a little bit more difficult to handle. Uh, they feel a little bit firmer in the first instance. Um, so those are all negative things about it. They, the other good thing about polyurethane implants is they stay where you put them. So they're very good in situations where you have malposition, bottoming out, or synmastia, or if you've got a problem with your implants, polyurethane implants are a great uh, way to try and help to solve that problem. If you think you're having te uh, a teardrop implants, polyurethane implants are much less likely to rotate. You can't even get a teardrop implant in, with a smooth shell because a smooth shelled implant doesn't really integrate with the tissues and will move around freely. So you can't get a teardrop shaped um, smooth implant. So teardrop implants is less likely to rotate. Um, they're a little bit more difficult to handle, a little more, bit more difficult to use. Um, years ago they were implicated with the cancer in rats they took some stuff off the polyurethane and injecting to rats and the rats got cancer so um that was many years ago and they were taken off the market for a while that has now been proved not to be the case in humans only in rats um so that's less of a thing although the alcl which is a different thing to the what the uh cancer in rats was having um is a thing but that's not uh, uh, unique to polyurethane implants you can also get it with textured silicone implants but it does seem to be a higher risk of polyurethane so uh, I guess in a nutshell polyurethane implants are good because they're less likely to be changed because they're less likely to go hard but they do have a higher risk of ALCL albeit a very rare cancer it is still a higher risk with polyurethane than a silicone implants and as I say within silicone you can get a textured and a smooth and in fact just a further, I need a graph here, further uh, textured implants come as micro and macro textured. They're becoming less rough, less aggressive, the texturing, simply because people are worried about the cancer. Um, so that's, so you get micro textured, macro textured and uh, smooth implants. So most textured implants now are micro textured implants. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically they're either a bit rough, completely smooth, completely smooth or very rough. Pros and cons of silicone and polyurethane implants in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I thought that was helpful. Um, just stand to silence. Um, I have a tattoo, not me, this is the, 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 uh, the, the, the reader, uh, the questioner. I have a tattoo roughly two and a half inches by two inches above my ankle and I frequently play tennis and curious about the recovery period and the downtime I would have to take from training etc two and a half inches by two inches um right what are we looking at two and a half inches by two inches what's that two and a half I mean that's a fair size two and a half isn't it mm. Two and a half by two. That's a fair size for the ankle. Um, two and a half by two. There's not as much spare skin. So, first of all, I would say let's not what let's not talk about downtime. Let's talk about can it be done at all. I'm not sure if it can be done at all. I'll be honest with you. Personally, I don't like doing skin grafts for tattoos, so I will do excisions. 
um, you can do serial excisions. The, 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 I've always said that the problem with the um, tattoos is the location, or not the problem, but one of the main issues is the location. And above your ankle is one pretty bad, basically, pretty bad area for two reasons. First of all, the skin's really tight. And second of all, it's just a bad area for healing. It's kind of a watershed area for the blood supply of the skin. And it's a bad area to have a wound. It's a difficult area to heal. People often have like, these venous ulcers and things like that. It's an area which is a classic area for breakdown because it has got poor blood supply, that piece of uh, skin. And it's just a bad area for healing, unfortunately. So it's a bad area for healing. And also the skin laxity isn't great. So it's not sounding great for you being a candidate for tattoo excision at all. But let's say for the sake of argument that you did have a tattoo excision. Uh, playing tennis, um, I would say at least two weeks, probably three, two to three weeks, really. And we just have to keep an eye on the wound to make sure it's healed properly. Um, and then you'd have to sort of gently get back into it. You won't go crazy on it. You won't don't be running about on it for a few weeks. Um, I mean, it depends on how tight it is and et cetera. So, you know, you, we'd have to speak to you if we were doing it about, you know, if, if we made it really tight, then we'd maybe ask you to um, be away from tennis for a bit longer, maybe four weeks. But, um, you know, if it wasn't too tight and it's healed well in a couple of weeks, you might say, look, you can gently start getting into sort of moving a bit as long as you're just doing it gently on what sort of level you're at you know if you're a sort of a um recreational like just you know for fun type thing you might be doing it after two or three weeks but if you're going to be running around the court you know properly then at least four weeks maybe longer maybe six get it all healed properly but uh yeah not a great area unfortunately for uh for excision sorry to have to say that and look at the next question why is it not a good idea to have a tattoo from the sternum another not a great area slightly different reason from the sternum um mostly mostly people have tattoo excision for cosmetic reasons they don't like the look of the tattoo and the problem with the sternum uh kind of over the over the breastbone is it's a very bad area for a scar there's a risk of what's called hypertrophic scarring which is raised unsightly scarring so it's not a good area to put a scar so it it, it uh that is the worry about putting a scar on the sternum, particularly if you're doing something for cosmetic reasons. Now, if you're got having open heart surgery or something, then obviously it's got to be done. Uh, cosmetic issues go out the window. It's not a cosmetic thing. But if you are having something done for cosmetic reasons, then you've got to be concerned about the scar that you're leaving. And there's a, um, a very high risk that scar will look worse than the tattoo. And so the sternum is not a great area to be putting a scar if you don't have to. So if you've got a mole, I mean, obviously, if you're worried it's cancerous, different story. But if you're just doing something for uh, cosmetic reasons, so if you've got a mole or a cyst or something that's a bit of a nuisance or a tattoo uh, on your sternum, on, on the front of your chest, I would say to you, think long and hard before having it removed for cosmetic reasons because there's a good risk that it could cause a different cosmetic problem um, in terms of, uh, of, an, of an ugly hypertrophic raised uh, scar. So yeah, not a great idea to be putting scars on the stone. Plus tight skin, it's under tension. That's probably one of the reasons that uh, it has got a high risk of hypertrophic scars because it is tight, tough skin, uh, it is tight skin. Um, um, don't necessarily think that is 
the reason because there's tight areas in other places but the, you know it's a classic area for a hypertrophic scar so be very concerned about doing a cosmetic procedure uh, uh leaving a scar over the sternum do breast implants need to be changed after 10 years no they don't um don't know where it's come from the 10 years it's obviously come from somewhere because it's so common for people to say it but uh no they don't need to be changed every 10 years they are well the implants all all the implants we use um are guaranteed for life i say that the ones that we sort of routinely use we're not locked to any manufacturer so you might say you want a certain implant and so they might have a different warranty but the, the point is that implants themselves do not necessarily have to be removed and nothing crazy happens at 10 years um, and in fact there's a uh, um, potential morbidity potential problems that can happen for, by changing implants so you wouldn't want to do a surgery like that without a good reason to do it and the most common problem you're going to get with an implant is capsular contracture is it going hard so that's the most common reason to have to have them changed so i would say if you've got a problem you may well have a problem so i'm not saying that implants last forever because you often get a problem. So if you're thinking of having implants, you should plan, uh, factor in the fact that you're probably going to need to have them changed. But it will come at a time where you will kind of know about it. You will say, please change these implants because they're very hard and uncomfortable. Or I guess the other problem is rupture, you know, particularly uh, if you have some kind of trauma or, or um, uh, accident or something and, and you get the breast goes misshapen, then you might have to have them changed. But you will know about it. So I always offer routine uh, appointments uh, for my patients, follow-up appointments. Um, but some surgeons don't. I know some surgeons uh, will discharge at six weeks and things like that. And kind of medically speaking, that's kind of okay. Because if you get a problem, um, the patient's going to know about it. Uh, so, and the problems normally come years down the line. So, um, uh, I, I always do offer routine follow-ups and any of my patients are welcome to come back. I hope you know that if you're a patient of mine, I hope you know you're always welcome to come back and see me. But, um, if, uh, if you, if you don't have, uh, if you don't report any problems, if you've had breast implants in 10 years or 20 years or 15 years and, you know, say in the clinic, how are they? You say they're fine. Do they look okay? Yes. Do they feel okay? Yes. Well, then there's no problem. Obviously, I'll examine you, what have you, but there's no need to have those implants changed uh, because I think they feel hard or they don't look right. What well, it doesn't matter, does it? It's what you think. Um, and over time, classically, implants do tend to get capsule contraction, which can make, they make them look a bit fuller and they make them be a bit uncomfortable. And, and when you hug people and stuff, they, they feel a bit hard. But if it doesn't bother you, you don't have to have them changed. So uh, what I would say is that you might start to get these problems. And I normally say five or 10 years, you can start to get these problems. Doesn't mean you have to have them changed, but you can start to get these problems. It's normally a progressive problem. So it normally gets worse over time, but it might take many years for it to get worse. And the problem with changing them is the same thing will happen to the next set of implants. So that's why you kind of want to leave it as long as you can, because you don't want to keep on changing them because it happens quicker every time, because every time you do surgery, you're introducing more scar tissue. So you do want to think about how often you want to have surgery because you um, don't want to, you know, get into the situation where you're getting capsules, you know, after a few years, because then um, you're in a bad situation there and think, what do I do then? And that's where the polyurethane come in. So the poly a lot of people only use the polyurethane implants for people who've had capsule contracture. Um, I do use them primarily, so I use them for people who've had no implants in before, but a lot of surgeons won't use them. 
for a primary breast augmentation, but they will use them for patients who've had a problem, uh, particularly recurrent problems with capsid contraction, because it's hard to, do, to, know, to, to know what to do in those cases, because you know that if you're getting capsid contracture every three, three, few years, if you put another set of implants in, you're going to get another capsid contracture. So uh, that's where the polyurethane, polyurethane really do come in. Uh, after breast augmentation, if stroke when you develop capsid contracture, why is it a bigger procedure than the original surgery? Yeah, so that's the other thing. If you're thinking of having implants, uh, as I say, I wouldn't say to you they're going to last forever. I would say to you that they may well need to be changed in the future. And if they do need to be changed in the future, it's likely to be a bigger operation and actually more ex quite a bit, I think, more expensive than the original operation, simply because this capsule, the capsule is scar tissue that forms around the implant. Um, and it forms like a shell around the implant. It's a natural thing. It happens with any implant. So uh, uh, if you have a hip replacement, if you have an aortic valve replacement, if you have a cataract, if you have any kind of implant inside your body, your body will wall it off in scar tissue. And that's a natural um, thing to happen. If you get shot and you get a bullet or if you get a bit of shrapnel, um, it's going to your body's going to wall it off in scar tissue. And that's called a capsule. So um, that capsule forms around the implant. So when you have your implant changed 10, 15, 20 years down the line, um, what we'll often do is we will remove that capsule. So if, you, if you're having the implant changed early on, for whatever reason, you usually don't have to do anything with the capsule. And that's actually quite an easy operation. Just changing implants is quite easy, taking a set out, putting a set back in. The difficulty comes when you have to take the capsule out, and that's called a capsulectomy. So if you have to do a capsulectomy, so if that scar tissue has gone really hard, and you think, crikey, that's really hard, I, you know, I don't want to put another implant in because you'll feel that scar tissue. <clears throat> Because the problem, when, when an implant goes hard, inverted commas, um, the implant feels rock hard. But then you take the, you, you, you do the surgery, you take the implant out. The implant's not hard at all. The implant is absolutely fine. The reason it's hard is because that scar tissue has grown around the implant, as I say, which it always does. But over the years, it contracts. And as it contracts, it makes that, Im that, that implant inside it feel like a cricket ball. As soon as you open the capsule, take the implant out, it deflates and the... Um, the implant itself is not is not actually hard. It's your body's reaction to it. It's the scar tissue that's contracted over the years around the implant that's made it feel like a cricket ball. So, um, so you 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 when you have a, a, a capsule contracture, you often want to do a capsulectomy, which is removing that capsule. But you, that that doesn't come out easy. That capsule is kind of integrated with the breast tissue, and usually uh, most people who have breast implants haven't got a huge amount of breast tissue because that's kind of why they're having breast implants. So you've got to be really careful when you remove that capsule that you don't take away too much breast tissue. So you've got to make sure you have the interface between the capsule and the breast tissue, and you've got to try and trying to sort of trying to sort of cut it out, trying to chisel it out um, bit by bit. So when you put an implant in, it takes about an hour. When you do a capsulectomy and change of implants, it takes about three hours. So it's a much bigger operation having a capsulectomy and change of implants than having the initial um, breast augmentation because because you have that capsulectomy. As I say, if you don't have a capsulectomy, it's it's not a big big op at all. It's it's relatively straightforward. And sometimes if you don't need a capsulectomy or you don't have a capsulectomy, we do something called a capsulotomy, which basically means we kind of score the uh, the capsule to kind of accommodate the new implant so that's for someone who hasn't got a hard um, capsule around the implant so if the implant hasn't gone hard and the 
and the scar tissue is not um, not sort of gone hard, then you can do a capsulotomy, which is just scoring it, and kind of like checkerboard scoring it on the anterior surface and circumferential capsulotomy to, to try to release it and accommodate the new implant. Because, um, so yeah, so the, doing work on the capsule does make it a bigger procedure than the original faux show. Um, what would you your advice be regarding having breast surgery before having children? Breast surgery before having children. Yeah, we saw someone in the clinic the other day who'd had a, a breast augmentation uh, 10 years ago. Um, she came with a friend or relative. Anyway, um, and um, yeah, she had a small child. She, had, she just, had, just had a baby. Um, and so when someone has had a baby, if you've had, got breast implants in and you're thinking of getting pregnant or you've just had a child or you have, you have children, that's it. No problem. Fine. Carry on. See what happens. Don't worry about it. No problem at all. No problem breastfeeding. No problem having children, etc., etc. There's absolutely no problem. If you've already got breast implants in and you're thinking of having children, that's absolutely fine. So the questions come or the advice comes for someone who's thinking of having implants, who's also thinking of having children. So if you haven't had the implants yet, well, then there's a discussion to be had because the implants um, will, if, if, will um you know will measure you up and will get the right implant for your breast shape now the problem is if you then go on and have children your breasts can change and the problem that we've got is it's unpredictable what happens to your breast if you have children sometimes well they always get bigger because you get milk coming in um sometimes they stay bigger sometimes when you stop breastfeeding they get smaller and sometimes they go smaller than what they were before and sometimes because they get bigger and smaller they can droop so the shape can change so all these things can happen to the breasts so ideally in an ideal situation if you're thinking of having children which is going to potentially change the size and shape of your breasts you do that first so that when we look at when we're putting the implants in we can put the right implant in that would complement your breast shape and size at the time if you're having surgery now we will be working on the size and shape of your breasts now which might be different later on once you've had children as i say if if you've already got implants in don't worry about it but as i said it might your breasts might change it might droop they might get bigger they might get smaller um but uh, so ideally you would have the um finish your family and avoid weight fluctuations for exactly the same reason weight fluctuations can make your breasts bigger and then when you lose weight, they make them smaller and they can droop. So do these things prior to having breast implants, because when we put the breast implants in, we will measure you and assess you based on your current size and uh, shape of breast to try and get the perfect implant for you. Now, if we do that and then you go on and uh, have weight fluctuations or have children, then it might not be quite so perfect and your breast might droop a bit. They might get bigger and smaller and that would be a bit of a nuisance if you spent all this money on implants and get your breast perfect and then that can kind of mess things up a bit to be honest with you but uh as i say if you've already got breast implants in don't worry about it but uh if you if you are imminently or if you are thinking of having children it is usually best to wait until you've finished your family if you can now you might say that's many years and i don't care and i'm going to take the hit and if it goes bad it goes bad you know if they don't look right i'll address that bridge when i come to it absolutely fine no problem at all we're not going to say we're not going to do surgery if you think having children it's absolutely fine but you, you know, you have to take take the um, uh, 
take take it on the chin that that if you did have children in the future that might change things but as a, but as i say some people say well i might i might not i don't know I'm, you know it might take many years and i, and I want to have implants now They're like oh well if, that, if you've thought about it and that's the way you want to go you can go that way but as i say the advice is to wait until you have finished your family that is the advice so that is that i am now uh, i'm out of questions by the way pdw i am now going to go and watch depeche mode 101 because we're going to see depeche mode tomorrow night um so if anyone's going there tomorrow night in birmingham then i might see you there uh, extremely excited about that to be honest with you um so any questions about plastic surgery or depeche mode uh before i um uh before i go and what Oh, I got something on this one. Oh, sorry. Great variety of questions. Looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Yes, see you on Friday, Corinne. Looking forward to it. Um, so, yes. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, I bid you good evening and uh, I will either see you at the Peshmo concert or next week. Uh, one of question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you